Amen. It's good to see you, church. Today is Orphan Care, is Orphan Sunday. And it's one Sunday a year where churches all around the U.S. take this Sunday as a reminder and as a rallying cry to care for the fatherless. Our Lord instructs us, as we've, we've heard, as we've gone through the gospel according to Matthew, we've heard the Lord Jesus tell us throughout the Sermon on the Mount, and we'll hear him later in the book of Matthew, love your neighbor as yourself, and do for others what you would want them to do for you. And so it is on Orphan Sunday that we point out that Jesus wants us to love our neighbors in the foster care system. That the Lord Jesus wants us to love our neighbors that need just one adult in their life to love them and care for them and provide for them. Jesus wants us to love our neighbors who, for whatever reason, they could not raise their children and they need someone else to. And the Lord Jesus, he wants you to love your tiny neighbors that are up for adoption, whether that's here in Harris County or around the world. And so it is on Orphan Sunday that we need to see God's heart for the fatherless. And we need to see that as the, our brother James tells us in James chapter one, that pure and undefiled religion, I mean, just think about that phrase, pure and undefiled religion is this, to look after orphans, to look after orphans and widows and their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. I want you to watch this video of an adoption story here in the life of Redeemer Church with Russ and Amisha Daniels and their family and Trey. Let's, let's watch this video together. Me and my mom, we would always travel place to place, you know, shelters, strangers' houses. I remember sleeping on some bus stops from time to time. But when I was so young, it didn't really, it didn't bother me moving as much. Because I knew wherever I would go, as long as my mom was with me, I'd be okay. Um, we've, we have two biological boys, and we always wanted a girl. And uh, so when we were going through the process, uh, we, we tried for a girl, and we actually lost her in pregnancy. And so the decision was made, let's not go through that again. Um, I was ready to adopt and she wasn't. That's when Russell started bringing up, well, we could try, you know, and have a daughter through adoption. And I said, no, no. And years went by and God began to uh, show me stories of children, you know, underprivileged children, um, just uh, abused children more uh, more realistically in the news and things and my heart began to soften about that kind of thing. It was started on a night where we were at a home, well not a homeless shelter, but like Starve Hope. It's like a shelter for people that need help. And so then my mother was there and then I couldn't get her to wake up in a bed. So I had to go call the authorities and then the next week I'm in a foster home. It was, it was that quick. But they told me when they brought me out, they said, you'll see your mom again in a month. And so when they moved me into this foster home at first with the Rademakers, and the Rademakers are lovely people, I love them. But when they first placed me in this home, this mindset kept going in my brain like, I'm just gonna see my mom in a month. And then a month would pass, and they say two months. And it would just keep going until eventually it sunk in that maybe I'm never gonna see her again. Nine years later, she says, I'm ready. And at that point, I'm like, ready for what? It came out of the blue, right? 
she's like, I think I'm ready to adopt. And um, I said, okay, let's do it. So it took us about two years to go through the uh, classes to get licensed. For me, it was, where, where is my place? You know, even though I was so young, I was still thinking, if I'm gonna keep moving, where's the place I'm gonna stay? I think that's how people feel when they go through multiple foster homes, but that, you know, that resistance slowly wears down and they stop caring of where they're gonna be. But for me, since it was my first move, it was, it was more of, is anyone gonna to wanna to keep me? Or something like that. Well, the Rademakers were going on a, on a mission trip and they can't take him out of the country. He, he was a ward of the state. So Trey didn't get to go with them and they needed a place to put him and that, that meant they needed respite care. So we got a call. We had two teenage boys. This is a 10-year-old boy. Sounded like a good fit to those that were in charge. And they asked us, and we said, okay. And it went great. We met him. We had ice cream on the first day we met him. I actually first met my family now at a McDonald's. That's, that's how that opening statement went. Because they're like, you want to go hang out with these boys with the Daniels? And I was like, who? And I'm like, they're a good family friend of ours. You're going to love them. They didn't introduce to me the fact of like, maybe this is gonna be my new family. Or then like, they just kind of subtly said, do you want to spend the night with these people? And I was like, why would you want me to spend the night with some strangers? And I was like, this is so strange. I'm meeting some random people. I'm gonna spend the night at their house. And then the first time I meet them is at a McDonald's. Trey was very easy and very happy-go-lucky and um, came to our house for a week. And so we did all kinds of things and, and went places and it was a great visit. It was good. And then he went back to the Rademakers. So months go by and we get another phone call. And that phone call was a much different phone call. Hey, remember that kid that you were watching for a week back a few months ago? Well, it's not working out in his current placement. We want to move him this weekend because school's starting on Monday. What do you think? Well, our thoughts were we wanted a girl. We weren't looking for a, a boy. and. He's not a girl. <laughs> you know, these are, uh, what are we going to do? And we told them, hey, we want to pray about it. They said, uh, don't pray long. We got to place them this weekend. Knowing that if I said yes to having Trey come into the house, we wanted that to be a full time, lifelong commitment for him because we just, we, we loved Trey the week we knew him and we thought, what a sweet kid. We don't want to see him bounce from house to house and foster home to foster home. And what are the chances that someone else will want to adopt a 10-year-old African-American boy? My initial, I almost say the Lord was talking, but my initial feeling was, are you really going to let this kid go into the system? The statistics for a African-American male uh, aging, out of, of aging out of foster care, the statistics are not good. I called Russell, of course, and I said, okay, well, it's not a girl. Um, it's Trey. What do you think? And we just thought, man, we love this kid, and he's special. We, we have to give him an opportunity. And so I was like, no, Lord, um, this is what you called us to. Maybe this is what you had in mind all along. Maybe this is why we were trained. And no, we're not going to let him go into the system. We'll, we'll take him. So we said yes. Now when we said yes, uh, we knew what that meant. But Trey didn't really know what that meant. Trey thought, you're just another foster family. And, um, and when my mom gets better, I'm gonna go home. 
And then when I came back, they're like, how would you like to live with these people? And then that, that caught me off guard like a lot. And I was like, I thought I was gonna, thought I was gonna live with you and not go here. Because I had formed such a close relationship with the Rademakers, I was like, I don't, I don't want to leave for another family. And so I was a little harder on me because I was like, do you not want me? Do you not want me to stay here? But then I had to accept that maybe someone else has to come too. Maybe they have to care for someone else like they did for me. So there was a, a two, almost a two-year battle um, before they terminated Trey's mom's rights. And um, there were several times we went to court thinking that was going to be the last, the last time. And then we had to do it again. Um, and we're finding, you know, with others that are going through this process, that's, that's the way it goes. You know, uh, you don't know when you're going to actually be able to, to adopt. When is gotcha day? Mm, gotcha day was a long time coming, it felt like, and it was exciting. Um, yeah, I remember wearing clothes I didn't want to wear because they thought I looked nice. I remember my caseworker gave me this cool hat, and then I remember I got a blanket. Now I'm, I'm really thankful for the opportunities that I have. Because if I had stayed with my biological mom, none of this, none of this would have happened. Because now, I'm, I got accepted in the Sam Houston State University last week. I've completed basic training for the Army, and I go back this summer to complete you know, AIT, and then after that, I'm home. So I've joined the military, I'm accepted in the college, and then I have a stable job. Like I work at this like burger joint, and I've worked there for two years now. So I, I think that like all this stuff that, you know, like to me personally, like a big accomplishment that I don't think I could have achieved, you know, with my biological mom. And so then when I wake up every morning, I feel really tired or groggy. I just feel, I just feel thankful for these opportunities because even though I've done a lot, there's still so much more I could still do. Like there's still so many, so many goals I want to achieve. I think it's all because, you know, God placed me here and then he gave me all these opportunities. And so now, now I feel like sky's truly the limit here. It is a difficult, process that I would not recommend unless you're called, you feel called, you really feel like the Lord is, is pulling you towards this. Because um, their times are tough and you will feel alone. Um, people do, don't understand what it's like to bring someone um, into your family until it happens to you. And I don't even know how to describe it or explain it. There's, there's joys, <laughs> there's definitely joys, um, but it's also a calling, it's also a ministry, and um, sometimes it doesn't feel like that, sometimes it feels like, hey, you're one of my kids, other days it feels like, um, yeah, this is something the Lord wanted us to do, and we're doing it out of love and obedience toward Him. The rewards are immense, and life-changing and um, and knowing that you're bringing a smile to God for being obedient and loving a child, that's a great reward. Amen. Pure and un- defiled religion is to look after orphans 
and their distress. You, you didn't roll out of bed today and come to church to hope to learn how to have a fake and defiled religion. You came for the exact opposite reason. If you're a Christian, you came here to worship God, to worship God with God's people, to learn from God's word, how to live as a disciple of Christ, how to love the Lord your God with all that you are, and how to love your neighbor as yourself. And and that's what Orphan Sunday is for too. And I know in our, in our culture, it just seems like we have days for everything and it gets kind of monotonous. We have National Donut Day, National Chicken Sandwich Day, National Taco Day. There's a lot of food days in our culture. National Grammar Day, National Hug Your Dog Day. You can go on and on and on. Orphan Sunday is not one of those ignorable, silly days. This is a day when the heart of God himself is truly put before us. That God really is a father to the fatherless, that he has a heart for the orphan, that that he is merciful, that he is kind, that he is compassionate. That when you think about our sovereign God, that he has an intention and a special love for the fatherless, and, and it shows us a side of God that is meant to move us emotionally, yes, but also volitionally, also with, with our actions. As Psalm 68, when David says this, look at this verse four. He says, sing to God, sing praises to his name, exalt him who rides on the clouds. His name is the Lord and celebrate before him. So, so David wants to remind us, God is great. We sing praises to his name because he's worthy. Is he worthy? Yes. So we sing our triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. We, we praise him. The one who is almighty and all powerful, the one who is eternal and everlasting, the one who has no beginning and no end, the one who is gracious and willing to forgive any sinner that comes to him. It is the pure godness of God that we praise. Just the sheer awesomeness that just invites praise to God. It's, I mean, just before the service, me and some of the band, we were talking about uh, the Rockets last night and going, oh man, did you see James Harden's movie? That was so amazing. That athleticism, that Euro step, that step back. Oh, it was so good. When you see great displays of athleticism, no matter the sport, you respond, oh, that was amazing. Beloved, when you see amazing displays of God in this world and in his word, you celebrate. You praise, you sit back and you say, oh, God is awesome. And that's where verse five is taking us to a display of the awesomeness of God. Look at verse five. God in his holy dwelling is a father of the fatherless. Do you feel and see the profound contrast in this verse? Like God, the one who rides on the clouds, the one whose name we praise, the God of the universe, there in his holy dwelling, far away from us, high and lifted up, totally separate from his creation, reigning over all things, who sits on his throne, not just as the commander and chief sovereign ruler of the universe, but look at how else God views himself. What role does God say he has in the midst of his holy dwelling, in the midst of him being high and lifted up? Our God leans in and says, even though I am far away, even though I am high and lifted up, I am a father to the fatherless. 
This is a profound contrast. Because our inclination would be to hear about someone who's so powerful, who's so far, who's so mighty, who's so lifted up, that now God spins it the other way and goes, and I care about the smallest among you. The smallest among you I have a heart for. And that God himself says, I view myself as a father to the fatherless. God's heart is inclined to the orphan. The distance of God that you feel in this verse, high, holy, his holy dwelling, his distance doesn't mean he's distant, though. You must learn that. His distance does not mean he's distant. God looks to the orphan and says, I'm your father. I provide for you. I give you life. I give you breath. I will take care of you. As the prophet Hosea says in Hosea 14, for the fatherless receives compassion in you. God's heart is bent towards the fatherless, towards the orphan. And and you see it in verse six. Look at verse six. God provides, so, so how is he a father to the fathers here? God provides homes God provides homes for those who are deserted. He puts orphans in homes, cover and shelter and food, clothing, nourishment. I think this verse speaks volumes to the love of God that from his heart and from his word, we see him saying, I put orphans in a home. And notice the verse says home, not just a bland roof, Not just God puts roofs over people's heads. And I love the way the New Living Translation, the NLT translates this verse. It translates it as God provides families. God provides families for orphans. God provides a place where orphans can be loved. God provides a home and a place for the fatherless that is stable a place where they can relax, a place where they can laugh, a place where they can have fun, a place where they can be tucked in at night, a place where they can be fed and not worry about tomorrow. God gives orphans people that will feed them the right foods and teach them about life, teach them how to drive, teach them how to go on dates, teach them how to brush their teeth, that'll teach them how to arm wrestle, teach them how to play rock, paper, scissors people that will help them. God provides orphans a place where they'll be supported, a place where they'll have tickle fights, and a place where they'll be loved unconditionally. God provides families for orphans. And the children in Harris County and the children in China and children who have been forgotten in an orphanage somewhere in the third world. But how does God provide How does God want to provide for the orphans? Well, it's the same way he did in the Old Testament. Through his covenant people. There are are tons of commands in Exodus and Deuteronomy for the Israelites to care for the fatherless, to provide food, to provide ways for them to be provided for. And in today, that pure and undefiled religion that looks after orphans is now achieved through his new covenant people, the church, those who have been born again. 
and what God wants, beloved, for our deserted neighbors who were under 18 in Harris County and around the world is a home, as a family, through adoption, through fostering. And so here's what I hope we'll begin to see. That when it comes to caring for the fatherless, it comes to caring for the orphan and those who are in foster care, here's what I hope you will, we'll all walk away with today. The question is not, should I do something? That is the wrong question. The question is, what will I do? Don't ask, should I do something? From this verse, from James 1, from Psalm 68, the answer that we should be asking, and the question that we should be asking is actually, what would you have me do, Father? So I don't want any of us leaving here today and thinking, if you should do something, start thinking, what am I going to do? Do you want pure and undefiled religion? Do you want to love your neighbor as yourself? Do you want to reflect the heart of Christ, the love of God and the desires of the Holy Spirit? It's the heart of the Christian when we begin to see this is God's heart. This is what God is about. We must realize this is becoming our heart too. As Paul tells the church in Ephesians 5, be imitators of God as beloved children. We imitate this of God. To be a disciple of Christ, beloved, means we are becoming more like Jesus every day. In every day and in every way in our lives. And since Jesus has, an, has a heart for orphans, since Jesus has a, kid, has a heart for kids in foster care, since Jesus has a heart for kids in a Russian orphanage, so do we. Because we want to love our neighbors. So listen, I, I know in a, in a short sermon about adoption and foster care, there's, there can be a strange amalgam of things happening. You can feel guilty, you can feel right conviction, you can feel um, kind of a calling and an inspiration from God to step forward in faith in bold ways and, and in new ways. But then also sometimes a weird thing can be awakened in us. Um, and, and I just wanna caution that some of you do not need to adopt. Because if you only want to adopt a kid in need because you are in need, you should not adopt. If you have some kind of weird emotional hole that you want to fill or some kind of idolatry that you want to meet because you want to adopt a kid so you can fill that gap, that emotional hole and idolatry in your life, you want the cute pictures, you want that relational need met, you need a dog Dress up your dog and take the pictures. You don't need to adopt a child yet because no child should be forced to meet your idolatrous expectations. No child should have to suffer under another, another kind of regime of your sinfulness. Rather, you should get involved in orphan care because you want to show love, because you want to show mercy, and you want to show compassion to a child in need, a child that God loves, and a child that just needs one adult to love them. Because you know what it's like to be an orphan. Every Christian, hear me, every Christian has been adopted out of the spiritual orphanage of this world. 
Jesus said to his disciples right before his crucifixion, to grown men, he told them, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. To Peter, James, John, Matthew, Simon the Zealot, these grown men, Jesus looks at them and says, you guys are orphans. You don't have a home in this world. You are a spiritual orphan deserted in this world. But Jesus says, I'm not gonna leave you that way. I'm coming to you. And by my cross, by me dying for your sins, by me sacrificing my blood, my sweat, my tears, my life, my all, you will no longer be an orphan. So yes, adoption, foster care, engaging with the fatherless will be a sacrifice. Our Lord has done it. And our Lord will empower you to do it as well. When he rose from the dead and gathered his orphans, those orphans now, and made them his own, he comes to us and we believe and we receive the adoption as sons. So listen, I know we believe the gospel and we, you don't need to just believe the gospel as some kind of uh, set list of things. Here's what it looks like to be saved. You also now need to view the gospel as a theater, as a drama of adoption. You were adopted by the mercy of God. Given the spirit of adoption, Paul says, by whom we now cry out, Abba, Father. So that when you pray, that when we pray, Father, it's because we've been adopted. And we are not kind of children of God. We are children of God. And we can have confidence by the power of the cross and the empty tomb that when we say, Father, he hears us. And he says, yes, my son. Yes, my daughter. He doesn't say, who are they talking to? Are they talking to me? We cry out, Abba, Father, and he hears us. And so in the exact same way of the spirit of adoption, as we are being made into the image of Christ, that means we also take on the character of Christ. We take on the concerns of Christ. And now we can tell children in Harris County and children around the world, we will not leave you as orphans. We're coming to you. We're coming to you. And you can call out, Father, and I'll hear. You can cry out, Mama, and I'll hear. You can look at the other kids in the house and say, Brother, sister, and they will hear. So we must ask ourselves, not if, but what? But what? What will you do? And when will you do it? And so to help us think about adoption here in our community, here in North Houston, Rachel Wimmer is here from New Life to Service. And so we have different agencies here this morning. We have Arrow, who we interviewed last year. Um, They help people through become foster parents and you could get engaged in foster care. Um, We have New Life Adoptions here for adoptions and we have Child Advocates, and I'll tell you more about them in a second. So why don't you welcome Rachel Wilmer, Rachel Wilmer from New Life. Rachel, thanks for joining us again. Good morning. Uh, why don't you tell us um, about New Life, 
Um, we interviewed Arrow last year. And so tell us about um, adoption and the differences between, I guess, private, open adoption and what you guys do at New Life. Excellent. Uh, I just wanted to say this message is so inspiring. I attend a church as well, awesome, obviously, but it's beautiful to hear it just spoken and oh, from you. the pulpit, so I appreciate that. Uh, New Life Adoptions is right down the road at 249 in Spring Cypress. It started in 1983 as a pastor at a church down the road was getting ladies coming to him who were unmarried, pregnant, and not knowing really what to do. So since then, we've placed about 485 babies in Christian homes in Texas. So that's kind of what we do. Our ladies, it's different from foster care because our ladies um, are choosing to make an adoption plan prior to the baby coming. So with foster care, the CPS has taken children into custody for abuse, neglect, things like that. So our ladies are really making a brave and selfless act before the baby comes to, to place that baby in a, a home. Yeah. Uh, what are the, uh, I guess, the types of situations typically that brings, that brings a birth mom to new life? The such a, really the only thing they kind of have in common is that there's no support. And by no support, I really mean like the dad of the child is not around to offer her help when the baby comes. She might not have a good relationship with her mom or her parents. So no one has really come alongside her and said, hey, I'll help you parent. And interestingly enough, a lot of our ladies have foster care in their background. So they've either been in foster care, they've aged out of foster care, and they don't want that life for their child. So that's kind of what... The only thing that is kind of keeps the, the common theme, the youngest we had, the youngest mom last year was 15 and the oldest was 37. So they're kind of all ages. They're just coming in. A lot of them have a minimum wage job that they will probably lose as, the, as their pregnancy continues because they're going to be too big, basically, <laughs> to do the manual labor part of their job. So they're already feeling like they don't have support and then they're, they're, they could lose their job. And so then their feet really are knocked out from under them mm. as they're trying to figure out if they they can raise a baby. Yeah, I guess, and so Houston is obviously, we know, gigantic. Um, what parts of the city are, are these ladies com coming from? Currently and historically, we've worked really in the Houston area. So kind of from Conroe to Galveston, Katy to Beaumont is kind of where ladies are coming from. But last year we really felt as a staff, the Lord calling us to go out to other cities, because, mostly because a lot of agencies are um, opening more to kind of more secular. So more they're opening to same-sex couples and things like that. And we're, we don't do that. And so as we were going out to cities like Waco, San Antonio, Austin, and Dallas, we're finding that pregnancy centers especially were very interested in um, a baby being placed in a Christian married couple family. What are some, some ways right now that you could think about how God is, is moving through new life, uh, stories that we could celebrate, uh, praise the one who rides on the clouds, and how he's, how he's working at, at new life? Uh, just a few things. Obviously, the overwhelming response is we go out to other cities where we didn't really have connections and just kind of cold called them, basically. You know, they hadn't heard of new life. That response has been tremendous because we do get calls very often, just confirming like you do place with married couples. So that's really exciting. We also know that the enemy is real and he's fighting us. And so one thing we are having to fight right now is paying our property tax because we're tax exempt. We shouldn't have to, but we are getting, we're gotten, we're fighting with Harris County about that. But what has been awesome about that is that it has brought up a lot of conversations with people we wouldn't ever be in front of. We wouldn't necessarily be in front of the city council talking about what new life offers to expectant moms. So that's been really awesome. Another thing would be that, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, 
our birth moms, we can talk about Jesus openly because we don't take government funding. And so we've got two ladies that we're working with right now, and they're actually about 20 years apart. Both of them are pregnant. Both of them are going through a group called Embrace Grace that's happening at another church in Tomball. But they really can lean on each other. And then just watching them and their spiritual walk has been amazing. Because, again, they're 20 years apart. So they're kind of like, what do we have in common? But they have this thing of being pregnant and, and help, you know, being at New Life. So that's really beautiful. Yeah, praise God. Um, if a family's thinking about pursuing adoption here at Redeemer but isn't sure if this is a good fit for them right now, uh, what would you say? Uh, I would say pray, for sure. And they alluded to that in the video. The family talked about maybe the husband's on board with adoption and then the wife is not, or vice versa. So I'd really pray, because you don't want to start the journey um, being the only one who's interested in doing that as a family. Um, second would be to research, really. If you want to do adoption or foster route, both are, both are wonderful. Um, the infant adoption route or the private adoption route or foster care. God, God uses all kinds of families, and he's created your family the way he created you for the purpose he has for you. So I don't, I, want to, I don't want to say infant adoption is the best plan for you because it might not be because God uses all kinds of families. Um, there's also the here, there's a great orphan care support ministry, but there's also support ministries in the community that if you had questions, you could just go ask. Um, my husband and I adopted two little boys from foster care this year. And so feel free to email me if you have any questions about either way, because I'm happy to answer those questions. Uh, there's two really good books. One's called The Connected Child by Karen Purvis. The other one is 20, Re- 20 Things Adopted Kids Wish Their Adopted Parents Knew. Both of those are really good books just to kind of ease into the thought of fostering or adoption. And then silly, but I would really say watch Instant Family if you hadn't seen it, that Mark Wahlberg movie that came out last year. It gives a really good portrayal of kind of what foster care looks like. Um, I would say it's PG-13 though, so I would say like older teens maybe because there's language and kind of hard situations, but it's a really good one. And I also wanted to say just with foster, I'm sorry, just with um, uh, infant adoption or international adoption, obviously there's fees involved, um, but don't let that be prohibitive to you. Because like a mission trip, you go and you feel like God's called you, you go and usually the money kind of comes because God is gracious and provides. So the same thing I would say with adoption. The money can be raised, so don't let that be a prohibitive something that prohibits you from doing that. Yeah, and I would say as, as one of your pastors, if, if the Lord is at work in you and your family and you feel called to adoption, international adoption, which we know can, it can be very expensive, um, and you think that's a hurdle, I, I'm, I'm here to tell you it is not gonna be a hurdle for you. Uh, we have money here at Redeemer to help with these kinds of things. And if we don't have enough, we will go out and find it. We'll pass the plates again and again and again. Uh, I just totally believe if I came up here and said, hey, XYZ family, we were $15,000 away from being able to finish their adoption in China, I think we would get it in one day. And so the, this is just how solid the body of Christ here at, is at Redeemer. And so don't let that be a, a hindrance to, to you at all. Uh, Rachel, if adoption isn't where God is leading someone right now, but they still want to help with the orphan crisis in our area uh, or with new life, what would you recommend? This was a really good question because I just walked through this, right, in like last fall and early spring. So I was thinking, what would it, what ha- helps really helped our family? So the first one that's kind of super practical is the meals. Like if you hear of a family who's received a baby by adoption or who's received children or a child from foster care, taking them meals is so helpful because really we're just trying to survive. We're trying to figure out what our new normal is. So meals are an easy way to help. 
another way would be to donate to the Moses Closet is what I was thinking. Y'all have one, we have one here in Tomball. Um, and they just basically help any foster adoptive family with clothes, toys, bikes, car seats, that kind of thing. So sometimes when you are fostering, especially, you might get a call like, can, I, can you come take a seven-year-old tonight or we'll bring them tomorrow? You don't really prep your house for eight clothes for all ages. You're just waiting. So the Moses Closet is a really good, great place. You can go pick up the clothes and things you need over there. Um, babysitting was huge for us. You have to, if you're fostering, you have to have babysitters who do certain things for the state, but it's not that big of a deal. Like your CPR classes, it's kind of a, it's not that hard to do. It's just having to do them. But that's a huge, like for us to go out one night was really, really helpful. Um, I would also say check in on a family, even post maybe, you know, a month or two later. Because just that hi, how are you doing was super kind because you feel like, like I said, you feel like you're drowning sometimes. <laughs> so that was really kind. I had a friend who knew I was having a rough day and met me at the playground with sweet tea and chocolate chip cookies. And I was just like, thank you. This is what I needed. So just help, just checking on those people. Um, I would say there's things like respite. Respite's kind of like in the video it talked about longer-term babysitting. That's super, super, super helpful because you can't take children. You've, sometimes you can't even take them across state lines. So if you want to go f- visit a family for a holiday, you can't necessarily because so you need a babysitter. So that's, again, not super hard training but very helpful. Um, ACASA worker, child advocates is here, but what they do is they kind of stay with a child through the legal system, and it might be their only constant that that child sees. So their social workers may come and go, their foster families kind of come and go sometimes, but that ACASA worker is the constant and giving that child a voice in the courtroom, which is so helpful. Ours was fantastic, so I can speak about them. Um, the agencies that are standing up for the Lord and against the culture, if you, the praying for them, just praying for them, because it's a spiritual war- battle, like I mentioned before. And then the last thing um, would be to donate time and talents and resources. There's lots of ways that you can get involved, even like mentoring a child who is in foster care. Again, it could be that constant. You might not be the one that he fights with, but he's going to fight with his foster family, but someone who's hearing them out and giving them a voice. Uh, Even donating to pregnancy centers and maternity homes and things like that. Even time to go organize the baby closet. Just letting these ladies know that there's someone in the community who cares for them. All of those things. Amen. Thank you, Rachel. The work y'all do is amazing and it is pure and unfiled religion. So thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Y'all, thank Rachel and New Life. So New Life has a table in the foyer. Um, so does Loving Houston, who's also here, who works with mothers at, who are in at-risk lifestyles down in Houston. Um, Arrow is here, and you can look at information on becoming a foster parent. Um, there's tons of great resources there. Uh, so check them out on, on your way out today. And I want you to ask, what, not if, what would the Lord have me and our family do? Not if. And you can go to the luncheon today and learn more about Arrow and more about orphan care ministry here at Redeemer. So, so what can you do? Because James 1 says, it doesn't say everyone adopt. So I don't want you to hear that as though we're saying everyone needs to go out and adopt. If the Lord moved that way, hallelujah. But what James does say is look to care. So how? How will you get involved? And it's gonna look different for everybody. Some of you, it will be to adopt. 
And I, I know the Lord's been at work. I know Brad and Haley Smith, who, who New Life, uh, Brad is one of our elders, and they're working with a New Life agency towards adoption. Um, we have foster families in, foster and adoptive families in our church. Um, so some of, you may be, some of you may be moving towards respite care. Some of you maybe want to fund an adoption, whatever that may be. I just wanna give you five things, five things that at least you could do one of these, may, maybe all of them. All right, first one. Attend the informational meetings. So today, right after church, right after the service, in, in the commons, right in those glass doors, there will be a luncheon to hear about stateside adoption with, and it's gonna be led by the orphan care ministry here at Redeemer. And so go enjoy that lunch and just learn. And learn how you can pray. Learn how you could get involved. And if you're interested in international adoption on November 18th, so November 18th on international adoption at Brad and Haley Smith's house, you're gonna be able to hear from Chris and Amy Beach as they talk about their international adoption story and also from the rectors, as they, the rector family, as they give their story on international adoption as well. And they're gonna answer all, all of your questions. So attend the informational meetings. Second one, and sometimes this one will be listed last. We say, and of course, pray, but pray. Like legit Pray. Not just say, I'm gonna pray for you, but actually pray and support the current foster and adoptive families here in Redeemer. Um, Scotty and Lauren Jinks, like actually pray for them. Um, talk to them, message them, email them, send them gift cards. Uh, they've gone through some hard, hard stuff for the past couple of weeks through, through fostering it, um, that little boy. And so you could pray for them. Tell them you love them, you support them. Don't forget about them. Um, send them dinner. Don't door dash it, use you dash and you, you take it to them and, and pray for them. I don't think the DoorDash guy's gonna pray for them in the kitchen, but you pray for them, pray with them. Um, join, you can join the Facebook group, the Orphan Care Ministry Facebook group we have that a lot of people are in and you'll see prayer requests are posted, you'll see needs are posted and things that you could do uh, to, to engage. And so and I, as she was talking about the Moses Closet, ways you could learn to give, you'll learn about those on the Facebook group. And I was just thinking, we have a car seat sitting in our garage that Oliver used to use, it doesn't use anymore. I'm like, we could donate that. There's, there's just things that you have in, in your house, in your life, that instead of selling, instead of putting on beg, barter, and buy, instead of putting on Craigslist and meeting some weirdo, you could donate it to those who are serving and loving the fatherless. Third, Go to the orphan care ministry tables and get all the, the resources they have. They have free books for you today. Just take them and, and learn how to get more involved in orphan care. Go by there, meet Dale and Christina Guger and learn how you can get involved in the orphan care ministry. Third, visit all the agencies. You heard from New Life, heard from Arrow last year about foster care here in Harris County. Uh, you can hear about Loving Houston who's helped these moms at these at-risk lifestyles and also child advocates. This is a new one that you may not have heard about, but child advocates helps kids by appointing an advocate for them uh, in, the, in, the, in the foster system that will speak to the courts on their behalf. And you hear it called as a, a CASA worker. And I know we're Tex-Mex people. It's not, it's not, you hear CASA working, you think house, what is that? Uh, CASA is an acronym for a court-appointed special advocate. And you will speak to the judge and speak to the court, speak to the state, recommending what you think is best for this child. As Rachel was saying, foster care, they can move from home to home, social workers come and go, but the CASA worker could be the one who is advocating for this child on what they think is best. And sometimes the judge will listen to a CASA worker more than listen to a social worker, more than listen to even a foster family. So go and learn more about them. And then lastly, maybe join the orphan care ministry. 
I know sometimes I, I hear frequently, what's God's will for my life? People are wondering, Pastor Jeff, what's God's will for my life? Pure and undefiled religion is God's will for your life. Well, I don't know, what ministry could I get involved in? Join the orphan care ministry. If you've been here for a couple of years, you've been here for a while, you're like, I just don't really know how I can fit in. I got a place for you. Join the orphan care ministry. Your time, praying, supporting, donating, organizing, resourcing, your talents. If you're handy, if you're one of those guys who knows how to work a drill and a screwdriver and all those things, I've heard about you. I know they're out there. When, 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 I, when a kid is getting to be placed in a foster home, sometimes things gotta be fixed. Things gotta be repaired. Things have to get up to code. And you could use your talents, use your power tools, use your Tim the Toolman Taylor stuff and get out there and help these families get everything up to code so they can help families. If you just have a heart to wanna watch foster kids so families can travel, go out of town, go on a date night, they need respite care babysitters for these things. Maybe you wanna fund an adoption. You've been wondering where, how you could get involved. Um, you know the bonus you got from this big commission. Maybe you could fund an adoption. Ask the Lord, what will I do? What do you want me to do, Lord? Because this is pure and undefiled religion, beloved. This is what it looks like to live out the grace of God among us. This is what it looks like to be imitators of God, the one who is a father to the fatherless. This is what it looks like to be transformed into the image of Christ who says, I will not leave you as orphans anymore. Let's be doers of the word and not hearers only. Let's pray to our father now and the spirit of adoption. Let's pray together. Holy Father, our Father, who art in heaven, there in his holy dwelling, high and lifted up, holy is your name. Give an orphan today his daily bread and lead us not into selfish temptation, but deliver us from the evil of hoarding our things to the detriment of orphans. Forgive our trespasses. Forgive our sins of neglecting the orphans. Forgive our sins of ignoring the fatherless. Forgive our sins of not even caring. And may your kingdom come in our home. May your fatherhood to the fatherless arrive in our homes and in our wallets and in our toolboxes and in our car seats. Holy Father, thank you that you hear us. And that we are not kind of your children, but we are your children. And would you move among the saints here at Redeemer, ones that you're stirring, ones that you're at work in, May we walk in new ways, walk in bold ways with you, King Jesus. You have not left us as orphans. So how could we, how could we leave the orphans? How could we turn our backs? Who is our neighbor? These tiny ones. Help us, King Jesus. And it's in your name we pray, Lord. Amen.